We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. With the 13th pick in the 2015 NBA Draft, the Phoenix Suns select Devin Booker from the University of Kentucky. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. Sam, how are you doing? Uh, you know what, Mike? I'm doing pretty well. It's the end of June. You know what uh, time of the year that means it is. Who did the Suns get in the draft yesterday? Let's break it down. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I didn't expect that. God, wouldn't that be nice if that's the way the world was actually going right now? We could be talking about that right now. Instead, we get to do a nice little retrospective. 
five years ago this week, five years ago yesterday, as of the day that we're recording this, the Phoenix Suns drafted Devin Booker, the most important player in the franchise for a very long time. Ooh, I thought you were about uh, to say history, and I was going to get no. I was getting nervous. <laughs> Since Steve Nash, I think, is an easy yes. thing to say yes. there. I don't think that any other player can even, like, no argument can be made. Maybe DeAndre Ayton, I guess you could say, because he was a number one overall pick. Um, but Devin Booker was drafted five years ago, and this is a good time, I think, to have a conversation about him. Before we recorded, I was just talking to you, Sam, for the listeners here. Um, we, I was talking about how I don't think we've ever really had like a retrospective type of conversation just about Devin Booker. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Devin Booker, but most of our conversations (laughs) have been in the here and the now. Most of our... most of our conversations about Devin Booker have been centered around some mean man in the national media tweeted something we don't like about our favorite boy. And then, so right. then we get on here and we feel the need to defend him and say, pitchforks. and yeah, get our pitchforks out and say, hey, Devin Booker is actually a good playmaker. Devin Booker is actually a better shooter than we give him credit for or whatever. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, right. it's that sort of stuff. But to your point, it's not grand retrospectives. Uh, I guess maybe that's because we hadn't hit the five year anniversary yet, but... That was a perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, I think that five years is kind of an interesting thing. And, and it's a weird part where the fifth season is is not over yet. Uh, but I think five years is still a bit of a nice little landmark for us to be able to talk about him uh, in this way. And what I wanted to do was come up with five significant moments uh, from his career so far uh, to talk about with each other. And I think we actually narrowed it down to talk about at least one in each season. I have my own list. You have yours. I'm sure there's going to be some overlap with those lists, but I think this will be interesting. I do want to talk about, just from, from the top here, do you remember when Devin Booker was drafted or, and how you felt about it? Um, yeah, I was uh, not that impressed at the time. I was a stupid... Uh, the funny thing is, you know, I've been online for a long time. You know, I'm part of this generation that was raised online, basically. And so I've been part of Reddit for a long time. I've been part of that community. Mm-hmm. I've been part of our son since there were 300 people subscribed to that subreddit. Um, and so back then, when I was a stupid 18-year-old, I think my... I really wanted the sons to... Uh, I don't even remember who I wanted. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I just didn't want another guard. I was one of those people. And and if you're listening right now, I know that there's a segment of you out there who felt the same way. They were like, this kid was a system player at Kentucky. Uh, he didn't really dribble much at Kentucky, which is just a fact. He was a spot-up shooter. Yes, he had potential because he was young. But, but the whole thing about Devin Booker is um, the amount of development we've seen from him from a ball-handling perspective uh, and the way he's grown as a playmaker and, and really become a guy who is top 10 or top 15 in the league in assists – uh, no one ever expected him to be that kind of pick and roll playmaker. Um, and so, you know, the way I felt about him when we originally drafted him was, uh, that I wasn't that encouraged. I was at the time, for whatever reason, buying into a backcourt of Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight as the future. Yeah. It, that's kind of a funny thing to talk or about. That's a really uh, funny thing to talk about because it's pretty pathetic looking back on it now, but, but it's just, it's the truth. Yeah, you know, I, I hadn't really spent a lot of time thinking about his rookie year, but, you know, obviously we're going to get into what we thought was the biggest moment. I'll tell you this. I uh, I have the Reddit thread from when he was drafted, the Phoenix Suns Reddit thread. Did I say anything? Uh, let's see. I'll tell you this. I have the, uh, I'll be, I'm going to brag a little. I have the top comment on this. <laughs> and With all like it is top is, comment in 2015, what is that, like six upvotes? 
<laughs> it's 55. Okay. This is the draft after all, right? Every single one of the 1,100 people in the subreddit was here on that day, I'm sure. It, but uh, but you're, you're joking, but it really was probably that. Five years ago on Our Sons, there were maybe 3,000 subscribers. And today, yeah, today there's 80,000. Uh, the, That's the right. growth it's has 80, been 80,000 bots probably from Reddit ownership. But. Yeah, uh, about 2,000 Suns fans and yeah, a bunch of other people that like laughing at our memes. Uh, the top comment is the the Kentucky Suns. That's all I said. Yeah. Because there was a joke back then mm-hmm. about how Ryan McDonough loved his guards from Kentucky. That was a big thing. And uh, this was kind of the third. This was the third guy. So in the previous season, Brandon Knight was traded for. So it was Eric, Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight, Devin Booker three Kentucky guards now potentially leading the team you have let me see there's a possibility that I didn't even comment on that one you do have some comments but they're like threaded comments let me see there was one I thought you said that was kind of interesting somewhere I'm so in scared here. of what I said I remember <laughs> uh, my memory is that the 2016 draft was the one where I think I had one of the top comments ah, I was so excited go. about Chris and Bender and that just shows you what a you fucking said, idiot I am. All right, what I you say? You said, so where are we trading Goodwin and or Bogdan? No room for all these guards, so we need a big man. Uh, Goodwin's going to be pissed if Booker's getting minutes over him. <laughs> you were right. Yeah, that's pretty level-headed, actually. And Archie <laughs> yeah. yeah, Archie got pissed about everything. So, you know, I guess, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um, so this is a good one. You also said, I would have really liked trading for Portis or Harrell. That's a pretty good pick with Harold there, by the way. Uh, kind of annoyed that they didn't uh, wow. appear to try when both players fell in the draft. What year was this? Twenty fifteen. Imagine pairing yeah. Bobby Portis with the Morris twins in a locker room. Oh my room. god! <laughs> <laughs> and we thought it was already a disaster. Harold is interesting, though. I mean, that's a good call. Yeah, I don't think he was cool. like highly touted. Look, I mean, uh, here's the thing. So the whole reason this conversation is important in the first place is because we look at what we thought was the Suns' young core coming yes. out of the Goran Dragic era. And looking back right. on it now, we, we just realize how blindsided we were by the 48 and 34 season. And and yeah. ever, I don't blame any Suns fans for having this opinion. It was just the reasonable thing. That team in 2013, before Devin Booker was drafted, was expected to win 20 games. They won 48. Right. It made sense for us to buy into guys who realistically were never going to have that high of a ceiling. Like obviously Gerald Green having one diamond in the rough season um, or Miles Plumley kind of coming out of nowhere and being a serviceable center for one season and, and then falling and crashing after that. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, f- the fact that we used to look at guys like Markeith Morris averaging 15 points per game um, or right. Eric Bledsoe or Brandon Knight even and, and really were willing to marry our future to those players um, is pretty yeah. absurd when you consider the potential of guys we have now in Booker and Aiton who actually have superstar potential, something that for you know five years or, or three years at least after Steve Nash left, we never had on any of those rosters. Yeah, and how lucky we are that the Suns won 48 games because there were some good players at the top of that draft. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns picked first. D'Angelo Russell, number two, arguably both mistakes if you really like Devin Booker enough. Carl Anthony Towns, amazing. Uh, a case could be made for Devin Booker at some point in his career above him, I think, there. Jaleel Okafor, right there, third. Whew, if the Suns somehow ended up with a third pick and picked Jaleel Okafor instead of Devin Booker, that'd be a disaster. And then Chris Tapps Porzingis, who's obviously great. But then all of the picks before Devin Booker would have been a disaster. Mario Hazonia, Willie Cauley-Stein, Emmanuel Moutier, Stanley Johnson, Frank Kaminsky, Justice Winslow, Miles Turner, who's good, Trey Lyles, and then Devin Booker. Uh, two picks later, by the way, Kelly Oubre. Yeah, I actually thought uh, it was kind of cute. Someone posted a picture of all of the... 
just the five-year anniversary with all the players, but then they cropped it out. And in just one corner, the upper right corner of the picture, right. you can see Booker, Ubre, and Kaminsky kind of all next yeah. to each other in that photo. That's right. And and just imagine these last five years had the Suns, the, the roll of the dice or, or the amount of games they won, uh, given them the ninth pick and they ended up with Frank Kaminsky. Now, obviously that doesn't guarantee it's Frank Kaminsky there, but Frank Kaminsky was pretty high on a lot of people's draft boards in 2015. Remember, the draft is bullshit and people don't know what they're talking about. Uh, and this is kind of proof. There's a lot of really bad players that were taken above Devin Booker, and I think it's fair, like you said, didn't play a lot with Kentucky, came off the bench, never handled the ball, spot-up shooter, ran around screens without the ball, mostly an off-ball player. It's really difficult to predict that he was going to be uh, what he was. In fact, Cam Johnson without the height, basically. (laughs) Yeah, there were three Kentucky players picked above him. I mean, this is this is how it was with Devin Booker. Nobody really knew uh, that he was going to be what he was. I think the lowest you would put him in a redraft at this point is third, and I think there's a case can be made for him first, second, or third on that list, and that's with two other potential superstars there. Well, yeah, Kristaps uh, Porzingis' injury history is a problem there, but and that just fully healthy is incredible. That just begs the question. We're going to get to you know breaking down his actual best moments soon, but it begs a question that would be interesting if you could just have a conversation with Ryan McDonough where he had to tell you the truth, um, and you could right. kind of pick his brain a little bit and be like. You know, so did you actually see something? Did your scouts actually see something in Devin that that no one else saw? Or did you just think we need a shooter? And so they they picked the best available shooter at the time and then got insanely fucking lucky when he had one of the craziest development arcs of any player we've seen in the past 20 years. Yes, I, 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 first of all, I don't think that he would say anything that could make him look bad in any way. So truth serum is the only way to do it. And I don't think, I, I don't think that there's anybody that said that Devin Booker could be what he is. I've never seen it. And here's what I will say. Had somebody, uh, we all know how draft Twitter works, right? Had somebody actually called this, right? They would talk about it every day. Every <laughs> single draft, they'd be like, you know, I'm the one who said Devin Booker should be picked top five in 2015. They, they'd remind you every single draft that they had Devin Booker top five. And the fact is, Nobody did it. And my only impression of him was what other people said. He's kind of like Clay Thompson without as good of defense. That's what I thought he was going to be. Right. And to that end, that's kind of what he was for the first half of his rookie season. So let's get into the the moments that we picked in his rookie season. Now, I'm just going to recap a little bit about that rookie season. That rookie season, he the, he did not start for the beginning of that season. It was Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight, starting on that team. Devin Booker played essentially a spot-up role where he shot a few threes a game for the first 30 or so games of that season. And in that stretch, he was shooting like 45, 50% from three. A very, very, very good three-point shooter to start. And that's entirely playing off the ball because as far as we knew, that's what he could do. So I'll give my game first. There was a game on March 12th my moment, I should say. They're not all games for me. Uh, there was a game on March 12th, 2016 at Oracle Arena. This was against the Warriors. 
the 73 win Warriors, by the way, they won 73 wins that year. Immediately after they won a championship, right? This is this is that March uh, of that year. So we already know how good they are at this point of the season. Stephen Curry is about to win MVP. Draymond Green is essentially Defensive Player of the Year, although Kawhi won that year. It was a debate at the very least. The Suns started, I think this is a hilarious starting lineup. Brandon Knight, by the way, I should say, the reason he didn't play a lot uh, was because of those two starting guards. Eric Bledsoe was injured in this season. He went out for a, a significant stretch of the season. That's where Devin Booker was thrust into that starting lineup. And now, basically baptized by fire, as Suns fans, we were witnessing what he was capable of as, at the time, I believe, the youngest rookie in that rookie class. He, he was drafted at 18 years old. He was 19 years old at the time of this game. And the Warriors are very good. It was an Oracle. We all know what it's like to play there. I mean, we don't know what it's like to play there, but we know what it sounds like. And he had 18 points, 11 assists, and zero turnovers. The Suns lost this game. And I think that's important to say because not all of his biggest moments are wins. We've all seen it. They started Brandon Knight, Devin Booker, P.J. Tucker, Alex Len, and Tyson Chandler. Oh, wow. It was one of those games. Was this some... center lineup. Fuck. I feel bad that I don't even remember. This was still Hornacek? Uh, yes, I believe okay. it was. Actually, he may have been fired at this point of the season. It may have been Jay Triano, actually. Or, or Earl uh, Watson I, first, then Jay Triano, right? It's, sorry, you're right. Yeah, so who, can who keep, knows? Who can keep oh, actually, anymore? Len and Chandler, it was Earl yeah, Watson. Yeah, Len and Chandler can, was an Earl Watson thing. That's why, that's why I remember yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. So, here's why I picked this game. 18 points, 11 assists, zero turnovers. Up to this point in the season, now, we knew he can score. He had done a relatively good job. Two games, two nights before this game, I should say, he had a 35-point game. I think his highest scored uh, scoring game at that time. But assist-wise, he was not really getting a lot of assists. And if Who can blame to him get with, a lot of with assists, that core? Uh, 100%. 100%, 100%. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If you were getting assists, I think that assist-to-turnover ratio was pretty bad. It was very, very clear from the moment that this game tipped that he was on a mission to try and beat the Warriors and make, you know, not a lot of teams had beat them at the time. This was the end of the season. People were saying the Warriors are about to win 73 games. 18 points, 11 assists. And what impressed me the most was this was the first time that we essentially saw when the team broke down offensively, which by the way, Brandon Knight, Devin Booker, PJ Tucker, Alex and Tyson Chandler, it broke down offensively quite a bit. (laughs) They gave the ball to Devin Booker at the top of the key, Mm -hmm. and he was just allowed to run the pick and roll Mm -hmm. and make decisions for himself. And that turned into an 18.11 assist, zero turnover game. This was the first game that I said, okay, we might actually, this might, (laughs) this is not what I expected. We might actually have something here. And I I remember this game very vividly. I didn't have to look it up. I could find it very easily. There were no weird, weirdly, there were no good highlights of this. I'm going to try and put some on Twitter tomorrow. Uh, but I was very, very impressed with this game. And this was the first time I thought Devin Booker might be something much better than what we expected. Uh, what do you think of that pick? Yeah, that's that's a good pick. Um, as I went back and watched highlights of him from his rookie year, I was just so impressed at how quickly it all came. Like, I, I guess I had this, I, I think when you think back, <laughs> most of it is that I, I've repressed these memories, right? So I don't want to think back to these teams. And so a lot of times when you think about Devin Booker blossoming into a superstar, um, I think there's this temptation to go back and think of the 70-point game basically as the start of his career, and that nothing before that was all that impressive. 
Um, but as I looked back at, at Devin's rookie career today, um, he had six 30 plus point games, first of all, yeah. as a rookie, yeah. he averaged 19 points and, and four assists post all-star break as an 18 year old. Crazy. And, and in fact, as a teenager he, in the past 20 years, in the past 20 years, only 10 players have had at least six 30 point games as a rookie. Uh, and I could I could list them to you. Nine of the ten are very impressive. The fact that he was in company oh, no. with <laughs> one of them is not quite as as impressive. Um, but nine of the ten, the list is Blake Griffin, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, and OJ Mayo uh, being the tenth uh, out of ten on oh, that list. Which okay, I mean he was talented. OJ Mayo was talented. He just couldn't quite put it together. But um, yeah, it was a mental thing with him. But the fact that Booker was on that list being the youngest player in his class uh ridiculous and so my particular moment my game came a little bit before yours it was officially devin booker's first career 30 point game it was on january 19th versus the pacers uh, i thought a few things were interesting about this game first of all he had 30 points 9 of 16 from the field he was 6 of 11 from three-point range and so the first thing i think is interesting is six three-pointers made in his right. first <laughs> in his first right. career 30-point game is still his career high five yeah. years later this is the guy who's had over a dozen 40-point games at this point and he's still never made over six threes in a game shout out chris hansen who's ripping his hair out as we speak but um that's the first thing the second thing that i noticed just a quick aside steve albert um, I, I kind of missed his voice, ah, and when I turned on the game, and I so good. when I turned on the highlights, and I heard Steve Albert. No disrespect to Kevin Ray, who I think is is still very good in his own right, um, but that was a nice flashback of nostalgia for me. Even though that oh, he's that team wasn't very good. Um, yeah. The main point here: Devin Booker's first career thirty point game back in January twenty sixteen. Uh, just how diverse his offensive game was already just just about six months maybe nine months removed from his college career where all he was yeah. considered was the spot-up shooter and in this game against the Pacers he's cutting he's hitting spot-ups but he's also yeah. he's he's attacking Miles Turner right at the rim just like you said they give him the ball at the top of the key and he's running mm-hmm. the pick and roll and not only does he run the pick and roll but this team was already so untalented and Booker was already keyed in on as kind of a primary weapon when he was on the court that he was already getting doubled immediately off a screen this early into his career as a 19-year-old. He'd come off the screen, he would immediately see a double. And, you know, just all sorts of plays in this game. There was one play where I think he hit Miles Turner with a step back three. Uh, the Suns lost this game by three points, but just kind of to demonstrate how reflective this is of this entire era of Suns basketball because the Suns lose this game by three points. Devin Booker Mm -hmm. shoots 57% from the field. (laughs) Everyone else on the team combined shoots 29%. Wow. And that's just sort of what we dealt with for a few years. I mean, how are you going to average more than four assists a game with Alex Len and Tyson Chandler starting at power forward and center? You know, P.J. Tucker... Bless him at, at small forward for trying on defense uh, yeah. and instilling that culture in the team for a few years. But he's not going to give you anything offensively except for a couple corner right. threes. So if he's cold, right. you know, you got Brandon Knight pounding the ball into the floor, not doing anything with it. It's It right. was just impossible. Long long twos. Yeah. I mean, EJ must have loved Brandon Knight <laughs> now, <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh, but it is kind of fascinating now to think about the changeover between those two seasons, right? There was the 48 win season, the season before, and they were basically a, a single win away from making or the playoffs. It was, um, 
it was 39 the season before. Oh, you're right. So it you're went right. 48, it and then there was the IT oh, season. Okay, so that was the season Brandon Knight. Yeah. That's correct, right. Then the, the IT season afterwards was peak chaos, purging Dragic right. and the old guard, so to speak, and then the Booker the Booker year. Just how quickly it goes from those teams that are just outside of the playoffs in a general sense to a 19-year-old starting and very quickly becoming the number one option on offense it really happened kind of quickly and just that example that you gave and i think that this year two is obvious i think that that Mm -hmm. what we have to talk about Mm -hmm. but we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about the 70 point game but he scored 70 points at 20 years old and i think you know speaking of the uh mean media men who say bad things about devin booker the idea that the narrative became that devin booker was some of the problem with the suns instead of sort of the hero trying to carry them out of the darkness despite all of the odds against him is has always been a bizarre thing to me well, what you just described of yeah. him scoring over 30 points as, as a 19 year old and then the rest of the team shooting 29 percent that that was a regular I, I mean occurrence right so here's the thing at this point the suns didn't even the suns had been out of the playoffs for a while but it wasn't like they are today where they're 10 years removed you know it, it wasn't that deep in the shitter yet but still, how many how many national TV games did the Suns have in those couple seasons? You know, when when you had these grown ass men in the media attacking Devin Booker for being a twenty year old and and scoring right. seventy points and losing, or even in this game in his rookie year for scoring thirty points and losing, that's uh, all that is is a reflection of kind of the reductive logic that we see in the media directed at teams that are not playoff teams because we've always known that people in the media do not have enough time to actually patiently watch. Uh, lottery teams play basketball they just don't do it right right i think that his second year year two for him which is four years ago now i guess was maybe the most fun i've in all of these years of watching terrible teams which it's just it is what it is right that's what we've been doing that was the most fun year for me, I think, because you were sort of watching someone come into their own in a way that you didn't anticipate. Now, you expected him to be good in that second year, but a 70-point game as a 20-year-old is not something I think that anyone could expect. That was just insanely surprising. Do you remember where you were, what you were doing, what you felt about that 70-point game as it happened? I recall that that was either a Friday or a Saturday night. Uh, and so I was in college. I was actually... I, I was in some sort of shenanigans that I don't want to get into, but um, I, the point was that that was like maybe one of five games in an entire season that I didn't, I wasn't watching live, um, or at least I wasn't watching from the start. And then right. when I saw that he had like 40 something points in the third quarter, I was like, all right, I got to get out of here. I got to turn on this game because this is fucking nuts. And and so, right. you know, I'll be honest with you in real time, I only was able to sit down for the last maybe quarter of that game. Um, and then right. I waited like just literally hitting F5 on my computer waiting for Dawkins or whoever it was at the time that was the predominant YouTuber to post the <laughs> damn highlights so that I could actually see what fucking happened. And, you know, I, at the time I was going to Reddit and I was going to RNBA and basically acting like it was my championship, even though the Suns had lost the game, because that's how it felt for the entire fan base. It was it was just pure uh, vindication uh, of this guy's talent and the fact that he was a real deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I remember as well, I... I I did actually watch, I think I started that game halfway through the second quarter, but I remember sort of casually watching it because the Suns, they were so bad at this time of year and who they were starting, I believe it was some sort of Tyler Eulis, 
esque lineup. They were starting Derek Jones Jr. in this one, I think. Yeah, Derek Jones Jr., who was also 19 years old, I believe, at the time of this game, and uh, and undrafted, some you know a guy who really didn't didn't play much <laughs> in, in the NBA. And I I just was sort of casually watching, and then the second the second half happened, and it's just he exploded with whatever it was, like 52 points or whatever it was in the second half. I don't think the first half was that impressive. The second half was insane, and. You know, I was just completely blown away. It was just, uh, I'll be honest, I couldn't even sit. I was pacing around yeah. my house watching this right. game, just sort of laughing after every bucket <laughs> he made. I mean, there was that insane uh, sequence where he hit a three. Uh, they immediately get the, you know, the Celtics do something with the ball. Devin Booker gets the ball back. Uh, Jared Dudley sets a moving screen. They shove Jared Dudley over. He falls into Devin Booker, who's shooting from 35 feet, and he swishes it as he's getting knocked to the ground by his own teammate Jared Dudley which didn't even count right right it could have been an easier 70 points I think without that I'm not sure they would have pushed it beyond 70 points with that extra foul or two at the end of the game had he got there a little earlier I think 70 points was the was the the cap of that one but I just remember being completely blown away and just thinking I've never really seen anything like it I remember Kobe Bryant's 81 points. I, I did not watch it live. I just remember sort of experiencing it through Sports Center, in, in which the way that sports were experienced back then, this was just a completely unique experience uh, for me. Um, so the, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I just, for, for shits and giggles, I brought up the Reddit, the original Reddit thread about Devin oh, Booker's no 70 way. points here, too. In, yeah, uh, I just brought on, it up. On the NBA subreddit or our Suns? On the NBA subreddit, yes. Um, Did people clamor? Do you want to give a guess on how many? This was uh, three years ago. Do you want to give a guess on how many upvotes it has? <laughs> three years ago? Uh, 6,000. So that would be a good guess. Uh, it is 18,800. Okay, all right. Because back then, we really didn't see a lot of stuff with that much <laughs> upvotes on Reddit, I think. Uh, it is funny. I know that I'm referring yeah. back to Reddit a few times here, but that's kind of how Sam and I experienced these games yeah. a lot of times. And for those, yeah, it's kind of crazy. For those who, I guess, don't know, I mean, that's how this podcast started. We met on Reddit, and, and we became mods of the Our Sons community. This was all five, mm-hmm. six, seven years ago now. Um, yeah, that's that's where it all began, so to speak. And then we, yeah. Yeah. But I did want to talk, that's an obvious pick, I think, for year two. But it's obviously something that we had to talk about. But I did want to bring up something that I specifically remember that I thought was important and um, made an impression on me. And that was the first year that the Suns played regular season games in Mexico City, Mexico. That was really yeah. fun. I'm glad you brought that up. That was super fun. Yes, it was amazing. And I think what was really cool about this is that it was the Suns were playing both games, and I believe they were both considered home games. Maybe one of them was a San Antonio game, home game. But it was Dallas and San Antonio, two days apart. There was a huge event. Um, Robert Sarver talked about how he wanted the Suns to sort of reach out to the Mexican. He wanted to be the team of Mexico, if you will. And I think that's it's an important thing to say. Obviously, he wants to grow to another country. Uh, we all know the Houston Rockets, before Daryl Morey um, blew it all up, were, were sort of the team of China. And I think there's a lot of money that comes with having an entire country rooting for you. And I think Robert Sarver sort of saw Mexico in a way uh, to do that. And also, uh, for the record, uh, Devin Booker is part Mexican. It's part of his heritage a little bit there. And 
that all went into the, that was all a to do before the game, right? Everyone was talking about the importance of these games. And in those two games, Devin Booker had back to back 39 point games. The first game was a loss against Dallas. I know everyone listening to this already has this in their mind. They remember these games very vividly. But in that loss, here's another great example of what we were talking about. Devin Booker had 39 points on 14 of 20 shooting. That's crazy. I mean, this is a 20-year-old, after scoring 70 points, going into Mexico in front of a whole other country and scoring 39 points, 14 of 20, and then following that up with a game. By the way, I just want to say, Devin Booker kills Wesley Matthews. Like, <laughs> absolutely. I was watching the highlights of this game, and I was just thinking, what does he have against West, Wesley Matthews? Wesley Matthews because and Jay Crowder, right? <laughs> those, Wesley Matthews, Jay Crowder, uh, J.J. Redick. I think Some, we're going to yeah, have a conversation yeah. about that soon. Yeah, there's but, a couple I mean, others J. J. I can think of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just a, <laughs> a few months after this Dallas game, he destroyed Wesley Matthews again in Dallas and followed that up with that amazing sort of Michael Jordan-esque turnaround fadeaway step back game winner on Wesley Matthews in Dallas. So it's just, he kills him, but he followed that game up with a game against San Antonio with Kawhi guarding him a lot in this game against San Antonio where the Suns actually won a three point game where he was huge in the clutch and he went 12 for 22 shooting in that San Antonio game. So those back to back games of Dallas versus, uh, I'm sorry, Dallas and San Antonio, where he scored 39 points in another country with a national spotlight on him after the owner put the pressure of an entire organization on his shoulders as a 20-year-old. Always impressed me very much. I think that was something that I wanted to make sure to bring up because not a lot of nationally televised games for the Suns already. And for him to show out in both of those games, even in a loss when his teammates let him down, I think it was really great, great to see. What do you think? Yeah, that no, I'm I'm glad, sorry for my delayed reaction. I'm glad you again. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, he he really does always kill Wesley Matthews. Um, it's it's pretty funny. And and those games, I wish they would. I wish they would bring that back. When was the last time they actually went to Mexico City, or did they do that they this year it, and just not invite Phoenix? No, I think they did it the season afterwards for sure. Because it Cause seems I think the like, Suns went again. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know that the Suns have been back. They may have done it. I don't know. It just, it, yeah, it seems so natural for Phoenix, Dallas, and, and San Antonio to get an invite there, yep. but maybe they don't. Yep. They don't want to do it every year. What they need to do is invite us to a London game one of these years. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. I, I did think it was cool. By the end of that San Antonio game, uh, the the Mexico City fans were now Devin Booker fans, and you for could sure. really hear it. And I, and I do have a one more game. And I'm sorry if you have any other thing that you want to talk about from this. From season, this season, can, my my answer was the 70 point game. So go with anything else you got. Well, there was a game in New Orleans, and, and I know uh, this is three different moments from this year too, but I did, like I said, I had a lot of fun watching basketball <laughs> this year it, because I felt like I was completely divorced from the idea of wins and losses by the time the season began. You know what I mean? Like, I just was like, well, we're probably going to lose most of the games, so let's watch some young players develop and, and find the joy in that. Well, was the, but uh, what, sorry to the, for the, to kind of hijack the conversation. What was the difference between the Earl Watson season then and the Jay Triano season? By Jay Triano, you're saying you were expecting wins? or I've Because that, that to me kind of, it just, that's the whole era. What you just oh, said. Oh, you're talking Car- about the, like his his third year? Yeah, like once he gets to the third year. And I know we haven't gotten there yet, but but my point just being like his whole career, I've basically not expected wins up until maybe right oh. now with Ricky Rubio. No, 
you're you're right. I I think that by the time year three hit, I was just more used to him doing great things. You know, it's just in that second year, I think everything was so sort of fresh and sort of new and you were seeing him reach all these different milestones that it was just more exciting. And I think it got a little tiring as the years went on. Uh, But yeah, the second year, there was a specific game in New Orleans where uh, he just had some incredible clutch moments. One of them was a step back long two to tie the game and send it to overtime. And then he completely took over in overtime, including a very famous sort of shot from behind the backboard that bounces off the top of the backboard in him as he's being fouled and falling out of bounds. A very, very impressive game. I was going buck wild in that game thread on Reddit. I very (laughs) clearly remember. I was calling him the next Kobe Bryant. Very, very excited uh, watching that game. Uh, But I just wanted to give another shout out to that because I know there's Suns fans out there that remember that Pelicans game in New Orleans. Very, very fun one. Find the highlights for that one. Watch that one if you never, if you don't remember what I'm talking about. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, let's move on to year three. three. Year three, so here's the thing. I think there's a super obvious choice for year three, but I'm going to let you have it. It's uh, All right. not to spoil anything. It's my favorite poker game ever. So in lieu of that... Uh, here's what I think about year three. Instead of a game, I'm going to go with a moment, just one little moment that might have been, had the Suns won this game, might have been the greatest shot in Phoenix Suns franchise history. Now, that's a bold claim because the Suns have had some great shots in, in franchise history. Garfield Hurd, 1976, the shot heard around the world. You remember that one to, to extend mm-hmm. the NBA finals against the um, the Boston Celtics at the time. That's probably the most famous one from this franchise history. Uh, but November 22nd, of 2017 versus the Milwaukee Bucks. For some reason, throughout all these years, the Suns have always kind of showed up, at least, against the Milwaukee Bucks. And in this game, the Suns are down by three points, about four seconds left. Ball is inbounded to Tyler Eulis, guns down the floor quickly, gets it up to Booker on the left-hand side. He turns around, fades away, contested, with Chris Middleton draped all over him from at least 30 feet back, probably closer to 35 feet back, like closer to the halfway point on the court than to the three-point line, uh, and hits a clutch three and ties up the game for the Suns and sends it to overtime. You remember that shot. You, you know exactly oh, yeah. what shot I'm talking about. Because, Absolutely. And it's, such, it's just such a fucking tragedy that the Suns lost this game. So before yeah. we talk about that shot specifically, here's what happened the rest of the game. The Suns went on to score two points in the entire overtime period, and they lost the game by six. Now, Booker actually uh, kind of shot the bed for a decent amount of this game. He shot eight for 24 and only scored 23 points. But that specific shot, I will always remember as like leaping out of my seat and the most excited I've ever uh, I've ever been with a Phoenix Sun shot. And had they won that game, that would have been just 
in the legend, the urban myth behind Devin Booker as he builds his legacy, because it's just as picture perfect right. a shot as you can possibly imagine. It it rivals, you know, like when Dame Dame Lillard with multiple series ending shots in the playoffs. It's that right. epic watching what Devin Booker did in that game. And I want to say the starting lineup in that game, just to kind of throw out what, <laughs> what he was dealing with throughout all these years. Tyler Ulis was the starting point guard. TJ Warren scored a decent amount of points in this game at small forward. Um, and then it was Marquise Chris and Tyson Chandler at power forward and center. But the second leading scorer in this game after Devin Booker was actually Greg Monroe, who had... Oh, wow. And, and not, even, not only that, so Greg Monroe... Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So Greg Monroe had 22 points and 15 rebounds off the bench. Looking at the box score of this game first, before I watched the... the highlights made me realize wow like i forgot greg monroe was even on the suns for a little bit if you ask me how the suns got greg monroe in the first place i think it was through some trade but i honestly couldn't Bledsoe. oh thank you i was gonna say i yeah. couldn't fucking tell this was the return of Bledsoe. i was gonna say this i was... couldn't fucking tell you anymore and yeah. yeah but the interesting thing here so greg monroe scores 22 points in this game he goes on to play two more seasons in the nba most of it now with phoenix this was the very last 20 point game Oh, wow. Of Greg Monroe's illustrious career. So the beginning <laughs> of the end, if you could call it that. Right. Right. Yeah, I remember that game uh, very vividly. I watched every minute of it, which I did for most games uh, in the last five years. But I've basically seen just about every minute that Devin Booker has played. Uh, but that game particularly was the first time that Eric Bledsoe returned to Phoenix after the famous I don't want to be here tweet. Mm. So the crowd was very riled up. That was a home game, by the way. Devin Booker's, a lot of Devin Booker's best moments were away. Something about playing in front of a hostile crowd riles him up. And I'm going to talk about a game, another away game uh, in a second. By the way, I think every game that I've talked about so far has been an away game, which is kind of pathetic and sad, but it is what it is, I guess. Uh, The crowd was riled up, booing when Eric Bledsoe had the ball. But the other part of it, is that Eric Bledsoe was playing really, really well. He was very, very keen on stopping Devin Booker, and that's part of the reason he struggled a little bit early in that game. That shot is a legendary shot, even without them winning the game, because it will be in any career highlights of Devin Booker going forward, that shot will be in it. Uh, Any career mix, that shot will be in it. Because what makes it crazy is it's from like 40 feet away, but also... (laughs) It's a turnaround contested fadeaway. Yeah. Like, it's oh, not man. a normal and shot that you should make. When he catches it with a second left, he's facing away from the basket, and there's a guy in his face. It's not like it's a wide-open shot. It's a contested shot. So he's, it's incredible. he's literally got... So here's the other thing I forgot. Giannis didn't play in this game, but it's Middleton marked up on Booker the entire game, and Middleton was the one guarding him in the shot. When I say he's draped all over him, he is draped all over Devin Booker. And to this point, Chris Middleton is not an all-star yet. He's a good player, but he's not an all-star. Having the game of his career, he finished this game with 40 points, nine rebounds, uh, three assists, and four steals for the Milwaukee Bucks. And was really, you say Bledsoe played well, but Middleton was, was the reason they won that game too. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I just think it was important. I think that's another reason why I think Greg Monroe played well, right? This was him playing against his previous team that traded him away as well. By the way, what a great trade for the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh. <laughs> just saying, like what you just said about Greg Monroe and the fact that they still have Eric Bledsoe on, on route to a potential championship this year. Pretty amazing trade there, but... What anyways. else did we... Um... 
fuck, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Did we get a pick with Greg Monroe or something? Yes, that was the pick that was traded for Aaron Baines and uh, Ty Yes, Durham. yes, it yeah. was. Okay, well, hey, yeah. I'd take Aaron Baines over Eric Bledsoe, and I know a decent amount of people on Twitter who would agree with me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really mind it at this point with Ricky Rubio on the team. <laughs> it's a little different without Ricky Rubio, I think, but we had to endure some pretty bad point guard play after Eric Bledsoe left. Eric Bledsoe's never made so, nine threes in a game. All I'm saying. <laughs> That's true. Neither is Devin Booker. That's true. All right. Here's the game. Yeah. And you're the one who tipped me off yeah, this game because I told I told you I told you look I I look. There were some options in this third year. I just couldn't decide on which one to pick. There were a few game winners, a few clutch shots like you talked about. But this is 46 points against the 76ers where Devin Booker completely embodied the spirit of Kobe Bryant in a way yes. <laughs> that not a lot of players had done. Yeah, it, it was incredible. And I think what was amazing about this game is a lot of people, this was sort of the first year of the narrative changing for the 76ers where, oh, the process worked. They, mm-hmm. They're they the team with these young guys. It's it's starting to work. This is kind of Embiid's, almost his rookie year in a way because of how hurt he was in previous years. And he was incredible. What I thought was great about this game, two things. One, the shot against J.J. Redick where J.J. Redick is sort of in his jersey. Also in every, every career highlight compilation of Devin Booker, that shot. Absolutely. But the other thing that I enjoyed was Devin Booker was making a point to go at Embiid in a way that you don't really see a lot of times, especially with a guy like Embiid. There were moments where he was being doubled. and There was a specific layup, or I think it was a dunk, actually, where he was being doubled on the perimeter by J.J. Redick and Embiid. And instead of passing out of it, he just blows by Embiid and dunks it on the other side of him because he has no fear. Yeah, so and then immediately after that, he went at him at layup after layup and got fouls. He got free throws. Incredible game. Just to emphasize the point again, he had 46 points in this game. He had five assists. I'm, I'm rewatching the fourth quarter today. He's sharing the floor with Josh Jackson, Tyler yeah. Ulis, Marquise Chris, and, uh, and Tyson Chandler. Not a single yeah. floor spacer. Not a single floor spacer. Not a single right. guy who hits threes at above a 30% clip. Maybe Jackson and Chris are at 31%. All of them f- suck. All of them suck. And so if you see a double, if you're Devin Booker in this game, you see a double, you see Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons come at you, you're still going to attack because that's the only way you're going to win this game. Ultimately, the Suns did win this game. And, and right. why it sticks out to me even more so sometimes in the 70-point game, is because how much more satisfying is it to, to go online and talk shit about 46 points in a win than it is, you know, 70 points in a loss? There was nothing right. that anyone could say. And it was yeah. a win you against You always a have that team. win card. Yeah. yeah. You always have that win card in, in your pocket. And uh, I'm going to tell you this. It's kind of funny. Watching the highlights of this game, I kind of, I kind of missed Josh Jackson. Uh, and, and here's uh, why. Let me, let me tell you why. Every time Devin Booker did something great, he would, one, first, hype Devin Booker up, and then, second, immediately talk shit to the defender that (laughs) Devin Booker torched. And while Devin Booker's sort of strutting around looking at the crowd pumping himself up, Josh Jackson is in the face of the person that was defending him going, you ain't shit, you ain't shit, like every single time. And I will say... Like championship teams have guys like that. And I'm not saying that Josh Jackson could have been that guy on the Suns, but I am saying 
that the Suns don't have a guy like that right now, and it would be nice to get at least one guy with a little bit of attitude Kelly on the is, floor. Kelly is kind of that guy. Maybe not defensively to the extent Josh is, you're, though. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. I, but I don't think that it... Like, Kelly doesn't uh, channel that into, like, sh- direct shit talks. <laughs> I think I think it's more... It's almost more like Devin Booker, where... Yeah. It's just, it's just flashier. Like, it's a flashier version of Devin Booker, oh. where... It's sort of, it's more cre- pointed at the crowd. You're giving me although Devin Booker's always well. Shit. Devin Booker sometimes talks shit at specific people. You're actually if you're giving me permission, you're giving me the perfect segue into my moment for year four. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, year four, the Igor Kokoshkov era. Actually, you know we we should stop breaking <laughs> this down by year and just we should have split it into the five eras of the five <laughs> the five coaches, the five coaches, <laughs> the five coaches. I think they might be five different coaches for my games. That's it is. That's it is. I mean, that's a perfect example yeah. of why the narrative should not be against Devin yeah, Booker. No, it should be pointed directly at Robert Sarver. Let's not mince words here and, and be very clear. Devin Booker with five coaches to yeah. follow through on the development, the developmental Correct. path that he has over the past five years. It's a miracle. It is the greatest miracle in the Absolutely. modern basketball history. Truly, the good news is, is that Robert Sarver was teaching the big men to set proper screens for Devin Booker. Because without that, I'm not sure if Devin Booker could have gotten open in this era. Okay, go ahead. What's your fourth? What's your year four? Well, your I just, Igor I just there's here? lots of games from this year. You know, Jimmy yeah. Fredette stealing thunder away this from Devin Booker. This was his superstar Booker year, I think. When he, when he scored 59. Remember that game? You know, there were other yeah. losses like that. But like I said, it's always more satisfying in a win. Part of the reason it's more satisfying in a win is because you see Devin Booker's edge come out, his right. character. Right. Let me. I'll just say the phrase. I don't know if you remember it. I feel like you will. Pick and roll at double zero every time. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Pick and roll at double Absolutely. zero every time. So here's here's the context of that. If you don't remember what I'm talking about, the Knicks had beaten the New York Knicks, who were also you know have been a dumpster fire organization for however long, had beaten the <laughs> Phoenix Suns the season before. This was ten months after. Uh, they first played. After the first game where they played in the next one, Ennis Cantor takes to Twitter. Uh, you know, he gets into it a little bit with Devin Booker during the game. The Knicks win. He takes to Twitter after the game. He says, quote, hold that L, kid. Talk to me nice or don't talk at all. Which, first of oh all, God. I respect it. I mean, if you're if you're going to talk shit, you got to be willing to dish it out uh, or you got to be willing to take it uh, in addition to dishing it out. So, you know, whatever, that's fine. But 10 months later, Devin Booker waits until the next time he plays the New York Knicks. The Phoenix Suns, they beat the New York Knicks. Devin Booker <laughs> has 38 points, seven assists. Ennis Cantor shoots four of 11 on the other side. And the Suns beat the yeah. Knicks by 18 points. Granted, the Knicks are a very bad team, but do you know how many times the Suns beat a team by 18 points in that era? Not very often. It did yeah, not. Very, very rarely. Very rarely. Much more likely that they were going to be blown out by 18 than that they were going to beat anyone by 18. So Booker must have saved this, this original Cantor tweet to his bookmarks because he pulls it out right after the game. He quotes it and he says, pick and roll at double zero every time double zero obviously being Ennis canner's number <laughs> basically the same thing he did with jay crowder two years before when he dropped 70 points on boston saying you can't guard me telling this guy calling him out individually you can't guard me except this time it's so much sweeter uh because uh it was a win that's my moment for <laughs> that's year a, four. that is a fantastic one because it's so memorable and so satisfying and i do think that that was an insane tweet by Enos Cantor. Like, what what was he thinking <laughs> with that tweet? And here's here's why I say that because like, you don't rile up a guy like Devin Booker, and and maybe this is at a point of his career I think where people did not uh, fully 
understand sort of what that meant for him. But I think that's an excellent example. He no, took I'm, it what I'm realizing. Yeah, absolutely. And he went at him and I love, <laughs> by the way, the way the Photoshop of Devin Booker holding up an L is just cheese. It's straight up cheese ball stuff. It's funny. Not that funny. It, oh, it's okay. corny. Yeah, funny it's though. corny. It's corny. It's corny. It's Embiid. The pick, the pick and roll at double zero every time. Now that's good. <laughs> like that's a, that's like a straight up jab directly at what he does to make his living, which is playing basketball. And right. I thought that was yeah. Hilarious. It's it's a much more effective insult. Yes, definitely. Because it, it's true. Just watch the game. <laughs> great, yeah, gets straight down to to Ennis Cantor's character. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's great. <laughs> that was a great. I'm so glad you thought of that one because there, there's so many things that have happened specifically around Devin Booker. What is like a really so many storylines uh, throughout his career um, to talk about. It's funny that we get to cover that one, but uh, something I didn't mention for the previous season. I actually had it in year four is year three. He did set, set the record in the three point contest that really, I'll be honest. I didn't really care about him winning <laughs> the three point contest in his year three, but I do think that that was sort of a moment that put him on the map a little bit because the final, uh, the final of that game, the competition was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson and Devin Booker and Devin Booker won by setting the record. And I thought, I thought that was impressive is, and, and kind of fun. It is blatantly a fact that more people watched that three-point contest than any Suns game that season. Yeah. Right? That's a, that's a perfect way of saying it. So, so hey, I mean, you want exposure for your budding young superstar? That's the way you get it. And and so, right. you know, you made a good point. That's the reason it's important. Yeah. So, but year four, I did pick a specific game, and I think that uh, it's probably not that memorable for a lot of Suns fans, but I have some specific memories uh, from it that I think uh, shaped the way that I feel about certain players on the Suns team. And this was November 4th against the Grizzlies. So November 4th, 2019. No, 2018, sorry. Against the Grizzlies. And what I thought was interesting about this game is that Devin Booker played this game and did not play very well throughout this game. By the way, in the 76ers game where he had 46 points, he started that game one for eight, and at one point he made seven straight shots in that game, smacking my microphone, seven straight <laughs> shots in that game to get to the, the efficiency that he ended up with that game to get the 46 points. This is a very similar game where he started the game really badly in this Grizzlies game. The game went down to the wire, and with about 30 seconds left, Devin Booker hit, an incredible shot to tie the game. And then what, what, what I thought was impressive about this game is watching the game. Uh, when the game was sort of closing out, uh, Devin Booker got the ball on the outside and I just thought, Oh cool. Yeah. We're going to win this game. Like I, I had no doubt. And mind you, I've been wrong before. <laughs> it's not like Devin Booker makes every single game winner, but the confidence that I had with him holding the ball at the end of that game was something that I had not really experienced as a Suns fan in, in a long time. Now, whether or not I was going to be right sort of didn't matter. It was the feeling of having the confidence that he was going to win the game. And so he hit the shot to tie the game. And then about 30 seconds later, later with like two seconds, one second left in the game, he hit the game winning shot. So back to back insane clutch shots by Devin Booker against the Grizzlies in a win. And this, there's a famous, uh, photo famous for Suns fans of Mikhail Bridges with his arm around Devin Booker after the shot. And there's like a guy uh, in courtside 
just sort of with his hands in the air, staring up into the sky, like like praising God. Oh, is that the that Kellen Olsen this, photo? Yeah, it's, it's it's a famous shot, you know, of the guy sort of like very excited. Yeah, is but Kellen then, in but that then photo? people, no, it's not Kellen in that photo. But people, oh, people are like, think it's Kellen. People are like, hey, that's Kellen Olsen, and Kellen comes <laughs> in and he's like, no, that's not me. Please stop that's saying hilarious. that that's me. Yeah, but that's really funny. Well, it's it's interesting because I don't automatically remember the game you're talking about but i absolutely right. remember that photo because that photo yes was and i everywhere. think the photo is part of i think why this this game was important to me but the other part is uh mikhail bridges like showing out in the clutch of that game playing in some insane defense very very important in that game and that's sort of a game where i thought oh this guy's a perfect fit next to devin booker so i think that game always stuck it out in my mind of like realizing like the utility of a player like Mikhail Bridges, but also the confidence that I had that he was going to make those shots. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's why I really enjoyed that game because even though he was really bad up until that point, he still was able to close it out uh, with that clutch victory. Very, very fun game uh, at the end and very exciting to win. And also a home game. Uh, that's the oh, other part yeah. of it. This is the first home game that we're talking about. By the way, the Bucks shot that <coughs> you talked about was at home too, which was fun. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the other game that I had here. Uh, any other moments from last last season if, uh, that you would like uh, to to point out? I don't believe so. I mean, we, you remember? He, sorry, remember he went on that tear in the second half of the season where he was dropping fifty plus yes. in, in several straight games. Yes, but I'm glad you said that. Back to back fifty point. Yeah, that's what it 50 was. Fifty plus point games. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring it insane. up, but it, I mean, it doesn't really need anything else said i don't think it's Just, insane yeah it's insane it's insane it's something that very 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 few nba players are capable of doing on any team uh given un- unlimited chances to do it like it's not you know i think that's an important point to make obviously uh we're people that are going to defend devin booker to the death here but so often people say well nba players are capable of doing that if they were given the same opportunity it's just not true it's just not true there's a famous quote uh, by Phil Jackson about Kobe Bryant that people were saying, how could Kobe Bryant shoot 20-something shots a game? And, and he says, not very many NBA players can even get up 26 shots a game or something like that about Kobe Bryant. And that, I think, rings true. When the defense is focused on you, it's hard to even get open. So an incredible feat by him, back-to-back 50-point games. All right, now we're up to this season. You know, we were. it's funny, when we first started planning this episode, before I actually started researching... I was like, okay, so we'll talk about Devin Booker's first five years. That'll be the first half hour of this episode. Nope. <laughs> yeah, no. I realized is, once I started researching, this is a conversation. Looking like, this like is a real conversation. yeah, looking like this is just going to be a, a Devin Booker episode. <laughs> he's earned it. I think he's earned it. And 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 I think <laughs> there's still so much uncertainty about just to bring us back to the present, real real quick. There's so much uncertainty about the bubble right now. Um, I would much rather talk about Devin Booker for an hour and reminisce. Yeah, then we're gonna have time to get the get to the season we'll and, get and more, the, the yeah. games. We'll have time yeah. to talk about that. Yeah, but hey, you want to think about something nice real quick? Let's bring it back to eight months ago, maybe seven months ago, for my moment of this season, and that was all right. Yet another game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Remember yeah. when we were five yep. and two? That was a thing. Yeah. Remember when we were five and two without DeAndre Ayton? And the game to make us 5-2, and two, uh, the, the Sixers were already good when Devin Booker dropped 46 points against them, but they were even better this year. Uh, and Booker scored... Yeah, the f- best defensive team this year, basically. I don't know that they had lost a game yet. Um, and I should have looked they it They hadn't. I think they may have been undefeated. Yeah, they, they were undefeated. And Booker scores 40 points to make the Suns 5-2 uh, and two on 15 of 19 shooting. 
Jeez. Talk about efficiency, man. Incredible. Talk about efficiency. And again, as against the best defensive team in the NBA. Well, against the best defensive team in the NBA. And again, no DeAndre Ayton. So they're putting Ben Simmons right on Devin Booker uh, for a lot of this game, particularly in the second half. He had 27 second half points against Ben Simmons, who is a much longer player against him. But it was performances like these to me that demonstrated uh, how Devin Booker is one of the most versatile scorers of our generation. Uh, and and just yeah the versatile shot portfolio that he has about him like there was this sequence as I was watching the highlights in the fourth quarter first there's a I, I think this will also be seen in any Devin Booker highlight compilation for his career so far this smooth step back mid-range jumper on Ben Simmons he catches Ben Simmons just a little bit right. I don't necessarily expect you to remember this exact moment I oh, do okay because I was gonna say when I watched it, I was like oh yeah I have seen that a hundred times smooth step back <laughs> mid-range on Ben Simmons. The very next time down the court, he fakes like he's going to do the same thing. Simmons is still on him. Fakes like he's going to do the same thing. Simmons comes forward just a little bit. Hezzy. Incredible. Hezzy. And then he jumps, he jabs back forward with his body, essentially. Goes to the right, just about the baseline, maybe eight feet out, not quite a layup, but kind of goes off of one foot and and throws up a floater um, for two straight baskets on one of the best defenders in in the NBA. Uh, and, And this is... It's just this is the sort of stuff that in some sort of insane universe we can now expect from Devin Booker. I think that that is a very, very, very great game to point out because I think it perfectly encapsulates the growth of Devin Booker and the the, because the versatility you're talking about, it was not there at the beginning. I think that he exceeded expectations on what he was supposed to be in his rookie year. The the 70-point game in his second year was sort of unfathomable, to be honest. Like, not something that I ever had anticipated. But the growth in by the time he hit year four here and year five, where you realize, oh, he can kind of do this on a night-to-night basis. I think what we remember with that 70-point game year, that year two and year three, I think... We remember all the best games, but there were a lot of games in between where the consistency was no longer quite there. His averages were brought up. uh, Like in his third year, he had 22 games of 30-plus points, and that's what brought him up uh, to that. That means that I think he averaged 25 points that year, 24 points. That means that a lot of those games were significantly below that 24-point average in order to get that. But I think year four, year five, now all of a sudden every single night, He's killing whoever's guarding him. Yep. And the versatility to be able to be guarded by J.J. Redick and kill him at the time from the 76ers previously, now to players like Robert Covington, Josh Richardson, who played on the Sixers later that year, Ben Simmons, he kills all of them. And that's the type of versatility that took time to to actually develop with him. And that's the kind of player that we now get to watch and uh, play basketball. And I think this is why... Uh, you know, for Suns fans who had to watch a lot of bad basketball, we're very lucky to have a guy like him playing on the team. My year five moment is, I think, an obvious one. And I think probably why, thank you for allowing me to to say this one. It was him getting selected to the All-Star game. And I think, look, well, do I think that it would have been more satisfying (laughs) if he were chosen with the initial group and not as a reserve? Yes. Will it matter two, three, four years from now? Not at all. Like, I won't remember that at all. I don't really care. I will remember, though, forever that when Damian Lillard hurt himself or or was injured in a Portland game, that he didn't even wait. Like, it was literally in the post-game scrum that he was saying, hopefully they put Devin Booker in there for me. I mean, and that, I think, 
something that's happened throughout Devin Booker's career is that he's drawn the ire of a lot of, let's say, nerds. <laughs> Maybe haven't enjoyed his game that much. I think there's this sort of argument of empty stats, and I think they use him as a sort of lightning rod to try and prove or disprove that theory of empty stats. But what he's always have, what he's always had, uh, since that 70-point game at least, was the respect of his peers. And I think that that him being selected to the All-Star game and Damian Lillard giving him that respect was sort of a culmination of that type of respect where probably the best, maybe the best guard in the NBA this year, Damian Lillard, uh, second best at worst, uh, was shouting out Devin Booker and saying Devin Booker should be an All-Star for me. And then he was selected to the All-Star game and then punctuated by the most surprising highlight that could come out of an all-star game for Devin Booker, which was a putback dunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How weird is that? Like, of all the things that Devin Booker could have done in the all-star game to create some sort of highlight, that was the last thing that I would have expected. A rebound putback dunk. I'm just glad uh, that, that Booker has given me the ability to call him sneaky athletic, and I'm talking about a player <laughs> who's not white. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because some of his best highlights in his career, he had that one dunk on Anthony Davis. Yeah, when Davis it was on was my list the Pelicans. of plays that I was looking at. Yeah, yeah. that we get, definitely can't forget about that. I mean, it, you know, those moments are few and far was between. Ryan but, Prokhorov, I think of, I don't even know how to say his name, from uh, the Houston Rockets that he dunked on too. I don't remember that one. In a blowout. <laughs> Another one of his posters. Yeah, but uh, he's only done it a couple of times. But but when yeah. he does it, he, he really can... Um, it's it's just really breathtaking to be honest yeah he'll and, punctuate it yeah he'll, yeah he'll punctuate it and i just want to quickly say damian lillard i want to pay my respects to damian lillard so to speak because is there a more yeah. likable superstar no. in the nba right now i don't think there, there really is. isn't and i and i think no. dame lillard is on that short list of guys who um it, no matter what team you root for i want damian lillard to to win a championship one day you know 100%. like i think i was starting to feel that way about dirk i remember at the end of his career yeah. like before it's a great example before the mavericks won in 2011 dirk was definitely a guy where i was like i know he's had a lot of battles against my team but that is just a guy where how can you look at that guy and have anything negative to say yeah uh, that's that's the type of superstar who deserves to win a, a ring obviously many pe- many people felt the same way about steve nash and he never got to um, but when I look, yeah. at, I just want to quickly say, you know, when I look at guys right now in the NBA who are in their prime, who deserves to be on a team where he really has a fair shot? Um, it's Damian Lillard, no doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that uh, I feel jealous of Portland Trailblazers fans. <laughs> and I think that's like the ultimate type of respect where I'm like, those bastards get to cheer for that every single night. It's kind of crazy. And I, I talked about this. I think the last game the Suns played was against the Portland Trailblazers. It may have been the explosion by Aaron Baines game. But during that game, I think I was tweeting about how crazy it is, how bad they were. Mm. Like the Portland Trailblazers was not where they, no. they just weren't very good no, they this weren't. year. I think they won 30 ish games well, yeah. so far. Yeah. And, and I think it was one of those things. It was funny because they got a career year, low key, very low key out of Hassan Whiteside. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, CJ was, was CJ. He was, he's basically okay, but he's not, CJ McCollum is not Devin Booker. CJ McCollum has always been a little <laughs> overrated. You know, he he's one of those yeah. guys who, where he puts in 20, 22 points per game. So people think he's a bucket and, and to a certain extent he is a bucket, but he doesn't, he can be, he doesn't really give you enough else to, you know, it's kind of, the, I, I have to watch what I'm saying because it's kind of the negative thing that people have always said about Devin Booker. CJ McCollum is still a very good player, but he's just not quite enough to, to really be a number two on, 
um, one of the best teams in the NBA, I don't think. So they, it was interesting because they got a really good season out of Hassan Whiteside and a really good season out of Damian Lillard and a pretty good season out of CJ. It was just one of those scenarios where they had literally nothing else. I mean, uh, Mello, negative. Uh, Simons, yeah. the, the rookie, was a negative. Uh, you know, guys yeah. like Kent Bazemore and, and Mario Hazonia on the wings, like they were just, it kind of reminds you of the Rockets. They were just filling out their wing positions with young right. trash to to right. see what sticks basically g league level players but the rockets right. were able to succeed at it a little bit more than the blazers were yeah it's funny that you say that because it kind of broke down to just being that style of play with damian lillard launching threes towards the end of that season but yeah shout out to lillard for getting now it may not have mattered at all of course getting devin booker into that all-star game but i think it mattered a little bit i think the narrative matters to to the nba uh, it does matter to the NBA, actually. I'm not even going to say I think it does. It definitely does. So that was the moment I had to pick. I think there were there were some games, I think, that could have been chosen. I think you picked a great one. I think there was a moment against the Clippers, uh, you know, the famous turnaround uh, shot against Patrick Beverly that fouled him out with the <laughs> oh, amazing yeah. photo. Another iconic uh, photo, yes. Yeah, with Patrick uh, can, Beverly. Can we call a photo face. iconic if it hasn't even been a year? I think that for Suns fans, it is. Yeah. And I think that that photo will be around for a very long time. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's it a too. perfect encapsulation of how people feel about Patrick Beverly. <laughs> so, you know, it's really great. One other thing I wanted to say about the game I chose real quick. Can you, if, if I force you into a little game right now, do you know the three teams that Booker has beat up the most in his career? Three highest scoring averages? Oh, uh, okay. Let me see. Dallas. Has to be one of them. Dallas, Philadelphia, Dallas is not one of them. Boston, Philadelphia, and Boston are there. Can you guess the third? I'm sorry, it's not Dallas. (laughs) Okay, is it an Eastern Conference team? It is an Eastern Conference team. Okay. Hmm. Do you want a hint? Yeah. Well, if I give you a hint, it's just going to give it away. (laughs) Okay. No, let me try and guess. Let me try and guess. Milwaukee. (laughs) It's not Milwaukee. It has has had some good. I think the Suns have had good games against Milwaukee, but Booker hasn't like destroyed Milwaukee. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They actually have good personnel to to kind of keep him in check. I don't know who is it. Um, it's uh, pick and roll at double zero every time. It's the New York. It's the New York Knicks. So of course he likes the big stage. He loves. He loves it, and he always says MSG is his favorite place to play. Um, every player says that to be fair, but so Booker averages 22 points per game for his career, his career high against any single team. He averages 31 against Boston, 28.4 against Philly. And, and notice we brought up two different games against Philly today, 40 points this season and 46 points a few years ago. And then in third place, 28.3 points per game against the New York Knicks. This guy fucking destroys the Atlantic division. He hates (laughs) <laughs> he hates the history of this country. He hates the oldest cities in the United States. He hates uh, New Amsterdam. He hates the Liberty Bell. He hates the Paul Revere House. <laughs> he hates the original 13 colonies of, that, that would later become the United States. If Devin Booker is in the Atlantic Division, he is going to destroy that team. Um, and, but I thought it was funny to look at it because I was like, man, yeah. I mean, obviously, the Boston average is a little bit skewed upwards based on just the 70-point right. game. But he's I had, mean, he actually does. He does play them well, though. But he does. Yeah, no, he, totally. He does actually play them well. And for a guy who's averaged just a, a tad over 20 points per game for his career to be putting up like Kobe T-Mac numbers through his first five seasons against three of the most historic franchises in the NBA. Uh, what better proof is there that this is a guy who just adores the grand stage? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that in a lot of ways, we 
we sort of talked about that. There was the New York games. There was the Boston game, I think, was impressive, especially impressive because of just getting the crowd on his side. But the games in Mexico, I think the uh, three-point uh, shootout, the competition where he won, I think that was another big stage. He He really rises to the occasion. Just thinking about Devin Booker, first of all, Sam, this has been really fun, I think, yeah. talking about this. It's nice to talk about basketball, for one, but it's also nice to talk about good moments. Obviously, a very difficult... The, the, here's the truth of it. I'm going to try and wrap this all up here. The Suns have failed Devin Booker in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. And yes. look, he was not supposed to be this good. I think that's part of the story of Devin Booker. Like... It just wasn't supposed to be this good. I think you can look at Kobe Bryant pick 13th and people say, well, Kobe Bryant was pick 13th as well. No, 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 no. It was not the same. People knew Kobe Bryant was going to be good. He was just a high schooler. This was not supposed to happen with Devin Booker. And after it did, it has been mistake after mistake after mistake building teams around him. Now, have they gotten better at it? Yes, I think that this was the best team that they've had around Devin Booker. And I think they have some sort of direction set and pieces in place where the team can improve over the next few years and actually become a great team. But the fact is, what Devin Booker is, is an absolute hero to Suns fans because of what he's had to endure mirrors what we've had to endure as fans. His playing with terrible teammates for year after year after year was sort of us dealing with Robert Sarver and dealing with all of the sort of fallout of having that owner, which is uh, five different coaches, which is 75 different teammates for Devin Booker. has to be something like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, and loss after loss after loss after loss. So the fact that he has been able to succeed, I love the way that you put it, is an absolute miracle, one of the most improbable things to happen in the NBA. That means that he has already cemented a spot in Suns fans' hearts Suns fans that currently exist, I think that a lot of Suns fans that were around for a long time just don't feel the same way about the team as a result of what the team has become. But for the Suns fans that are still around, the Suns fans that are still dedicated to the team, Devin Booker has a special place in our hearts, I think. And I think that people who know, they know. And people who don't, maybe they don't get it. They don't understand why we get so defensive over him online. I think this this podcast would be a good example to give them if they really want to know. Uh, but it's just his struggle has mirrored our struggle with this team. And I think it's fascinating. And I really hope that they somehow find a way to put a great team around that really actually maximizes his skill sets because I think what he's done so far has been impressive, but it's nowhere near as good as he can be in the NBA. How do you feel about all that? I do think they're getting close to, to making it all fit together. But, but I like the analogy you made that his struggle is our struggle. Uh, there is one difference. When we or when the when the Suns lose a game, the fans don't get blamed, <laughs> and Devin Booker, <laughs> a lot of the time, wrongly gets blamed. Uh, right. So. Right. Hey, at least he gets those millions of dollars, though. That's true. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we end this one? Uh, no, I think that's about it. I think we're gonna wait till next week uh, when I don't know. Are we back to bubble talk? Florida's looking uh, pretty probably. bad right now. Should I end this podcast on a really sour note? Do you think it's gonna? <laughs> do you think it's gonna happen? Do you want to put in your official prediction? Do you think it's going to happen? I think it will. If that's my official prediction, I think it will. I think they're going to try. Um, I I would point out, well, I'm not going to do it. I was going to say (laughs) something really negative. Um, Well, here's what I'll say. I'll try and end this on a different note. (laughs) If you have other moments in Devin Booker's career that we did not cover, 
please, please, please tweet at us. We would love to hear about them. I think there's a homework assignment for Suns fans. Obviously, there's other moments that we missed, other moments that we did not have time to talk about. We would love to hear from you. Uh, tweet at us at the Timeline Pod. That's our podcast account. Something that we never do, Sam, that every other podcast host does, give our own personal Twitter handles out. <laughs> Mine is at Protected Pick. We, Sam's yeah. is S. Cooper Hoops. Follow us. I mean, I've always, yeah, follow us. That's that's definitely true. We do it on the YouTube videos when we put out the YouTube videos. Mostly, I've always just felt like I want to cut straight to the talk and yeah, cut I the feel crap, like people will find you know? us. They'll find if us you if like, they want to find you us. Listen to episodes, you'll find us eventually. Twitter's a hellhole yeah. anyway. I don't necessarily uh, encourage <laughs> any NBA fan to to join Twitter, but but if you are the type of person who is social media. Uh, socially media inclined i don't i don't know how i would say that um we are on both reddit and twitter and so you'll find us hanging around the r sons community if, if yeah. Reddit is your cup of tea or if you are on twitter uh yeah feel free to give us a follow all right thanks everyone for listening we'll be back soon question mark i think so Booker. For the game. Got it! Off the glass! Devin Booker! Wow. Smiling. (laughs) Basket is good. And the Suns prevail. 105-103 on Devin Booker's buzzer beater in Sacramento. He wants it tonight. Here he is. He's talking and one right now. Booker takes it all the way in underneath. Barnes picked him up. Booker working against Barnes. The turnaround shot is good. It's a gangster move that time by Booker. Tie game. Phoenix looking to win it on the road. Booker spinning, shooting at the end. And he wins it. That's That's simply phenomenal. That dude is a player. The look. And give Devin Booker all the credit in the world. That is just sensational offense against pretty good defense. His size alone got him over Wesley Matthews. Spin back, little fade. That's a go-to guy. That delivers. To Ulis. Up ahead to Booker. Booker turns, fires. Got it! I just felt it. You get that guy. Now he turned. Booker gets the switch with Mack. Mack being up. Booker raising up. And hit Booker raising up for the win. Got it. <laughs> but he already did it to Mack. You can't guard him one-on-one. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.